Hello, media consumers. Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of The Ringer here with a special emergency edition of the Press Box. And David, at this point, would it be easier for listeners if we just specify the Trump-related episodes that are not emergencies? Is that is that <laughs> is that what we should do? No, can we just identify every episode by threat level? Like this is this is Ooh. merely this is merely a yellow episode, not an orange episode. Yeah, yellow is like two sports writers yelling at each other. That and then you know the Trump ones are are dark red. <laughs> this morning definitely qualifies for emergency status because not only do we have the news that the House of Representatives is opening an impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump, but a summary of a July 25th Trump phone call with Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, the phone call which has been at the center of this scandal. And I guess one pedantic thing before we start, which is now all over Twitter, is that this is not exactly a transcript of this phone call. It's kind of a summary thing. There are, did you see, David, some very intriguing ellipses that appear just as soon as Trump starts talking about the interesting stuff with Biden. Um, yeah. I don't know what to make of that, but uh, I think, you know, the best way to treat this is there was really no no reason for the administration to release this at all. And there's especially no reason for the administration to release uh, as clean and incriminating a transcript as possible. So I suggest we, we just take this for what it is and... You know, we might learn more about this call later and more stuff, too. But let's get right to the meat of it. The call from July 25th begins with a long string of pleasantries between the two leaders. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine president, tells Trump Ukraine wants to buy more Javelin anti-tank missiles from the United States. Then Trump says, I would like you to do us a favor, though. Trump mumbles something about an email server. More on that in a second. And then the real meat of it. After talking about the firing of a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor during the Obama administration, Trump says there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general, that is Trump's attorney general, William Barr, would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, dot, 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 it sounds horrible to me. Slightly later, Trump says, I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call, and I am also going to have Attorney General Barr call, and we will get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will figure it out. And slightly later than that, Trump says, I will tell Rudy and Attorney General Barr to call. So there it is. The President of the United States urging the President of another country to investigate his political opponent. In its (laughs) simplest terms, that's what this is about. And David, how is that not incredibly damning? Well, I mean, the short answer is it is incredibly damning. Um, I think that the I mean, the the more interesting question is whether or not the Trump and the Trump administration know that it's damning or whether, you know, I mean, whether they're oblivious to the fact that it's damning or whether they know that it's damning and are making this deliberate play that if we so it's sort of like the Trump Jr., the Donald Jr. Uh, t- Trump Tower meeting <clears throat> emails where they just released the files or, or kind of fessed up to everything. And but then said and, and nothing that we did was wrong and just presumed that the majority of of uh, their voters would would take them at their word that you if you if you release the transcript and you say that we did nothing wrong, then I think there's that sort of implication um, that that you're operating above board. Um, so I guess that, I mean, it's uh, my question is, 
are they oblivious to it, or is this kind of a deliberate play, uh, despite the fact that they know that they're they're kind of, kind of catching themselves? There's this tweet from Robert Costa of the Washington Post today where he says, several Senate Republicans I've spoken with in the last hour are stunned that the White House is releasing this transcript. They do not think it helps the president's cause. And I guess my only theory of the case here is that they have sort of internalized you know, what the media has internalized, which is Trump benefits from all of us sort of getting way too excited about all these scandals. We yeah. expect Trump to be the Babe Ruth of corruption, and it turns out he's merely the Bryce Harper of corruption. You know, that's what happened sure. with Russia, right? He Trump was was not literally proven to be the Manchurian candidate with Putin whispering in his ear. So all the despicable bad stuff was just kind of swept aside. And I guess I that's, that's what they were thinking here, right? It's like they're, they're, they were sort of thinking, like, look, if this summary comes out and I am not saying explicitly i am pulling u.s aid to ukraine mm -hmm. uh, away unless you investigate biden do you hear me do you hear me i am talking about quid pro quo mr zelensky do you hear me if if those sentences were not literally in the summary yeah. that everything was going to be fine i guess that's the problem i mean that is the problem we keep coming back to on with this president that like if you're actually kind of getting down to the to the details um you know, I don't think that the 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 vast majority of people, even the even senators, Congress people, um, I think that I think everybody finds it finds it a little bit difficult to incriminate an addled old man like Donald Trump for talking about Bill Barr and Giuliani, throwing out those names when those names are inappropriate to throw out in that context, right? I mean, like despite the illegality of that, that seems like. That seems, for some reason, our expectations have been lowered to the point um, by everything that's come before, by Trump himself, for that to sort of feel like thin gruel, even though it's one of the most kind of shocking things any a previous president could have done. Yeah, so let's, I, I, I think, and I, and I do want to talk about Trump's motives in this, but I, I don't want us to race past just what is in this today. Because yeah. it, it almost it almost get too much into game theory and you just forget what we've just seen. Yes. The first part, like I've said, is one, it is incredibly damning and incredibly wrong for the American president to ask another world leader to investigate his political opponent. Full stop. The end. It is mind blowing to also see the president dragging in his own uh, attorney general. Not to mention yeah. his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. We, we already knew the second part because Giuliani had sort of blurted it out all week. But mm -hmm. as the New York Times says of the William Barr's appearance in this, Mr. Trump's suggestion that American law enforcement be directly involved and in contact with Ukraine's government marks the first evidence that the president personally sought to harness the power of the United States government to further a politically motivated investigation. That's big news, too. Really big news. Notice I haven't even said the words quid pro quo yet, except comically. Yeah. This stuff is the stuff that is just ironclad. It's in the documents. And again, I don't know about you, but just after, you know, a couple of days of kind of speculating, oh, they're in this whistleblower complaint that nobody's seen. Just seeing that was really, really amazing and really, really striking. Well, and it happened quick. I mean, I think the big difference between what happened, you know, with the Russian investigation and this is that it kind of went from 
whispered rumor to transcript in relatively short order. So if you're of an open mind enough to be compelled by this, then the, the you know what we've seen is really compelling. It's really damning. Um, <clears throat> the the constant invocation, like you just said, of Barr and of Giuliani, uh, like the like two names, you know, of the in, from the entire Rolodex, the two names that Trump should not be uttering on this phone call, <laughs> at least in the context at which he did. Uh, it's 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 pretty wild, um, and you know the quid pro quo. Obviously, like you said before, it's not there. It's not there spelled out in some like hit you over the head with it sort of fashion. But you know, that's not for lack of swinging for the head. I mean, they they cut off they cut off funding days before, right? I mean, there's a reason why they're having this conversation at this time, yes. and. Um, and I mean, the, the fact, I mean, the fact that, you know, these two politicians were canny enough not to say that out loud on a recorded phone call with many other people in the room, I don't think should be too shocking. Um, no. And I hate to almost can, even bring that up because, you know, if you listen to Republicans today, they're saying, look, there's no quid pro quo. You can't, eh, you don't see it. There obviously is quid pro quo. First of all, <laughs> if yes. you just, if you just read that whole 2000 word document it's pretty it's pretty obvious the flow of events uh i want this from you oh well i need a favor here are explicitly the favors i would like um that that is quid pro quo in any universe but again i i almost think you don't even need that and you can just you can just go with what you got but i agree with you It, it it's spelled out and they're having that conversation for a reason yeah, someone with that level of power, I mean, that, that amount of power disparity between the two heads of state to asking for a favor, I think is kind of almost just explicitly problematic. But um, at least in the term, at least using the language that he did, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just seems it just seems really extreme. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know you wanted to get away from game theory, but I do think that there's a degree I, I just want to mention. I, I, I do think there's a... Um, you know, there, there. Someone said, I think it was Max Boot in the Washington Post today, um, who said, uh, at least Richard Nixon had the, you know, was smart enough to try to keep his, you know, transcripts away from, away from the Congress or whatever. <laughs> but I, but I do think there's a degree to which, like, it's easy. One can imagine that, like, trying to keep these things secret uh, for any longer than they did would have been self-incriminating, more so than just. I mean, it would have, it would have seemed more incriminating than. The release of the of of the transcript, and also we don't have what the the whistleblower complaint, which is really weird, um, because one presumes that, or, or or one one could presume assume that that we have a lot of the information that the whistleblower would have put in the complaint by seeing this transcript, um, and that is exactly the the angle that a lot of the voices on Fox News were going out were going down. I mean, that we're, we're using today. Yes. Um, Brent Baer, of all people, was saying, well, listen, now we know more than the whistleblower did. I mean, that has to be said, you know, said that he, that, that was repeated um, amongst, I mean, and that was the, the rest of Fox, and I, I will say I only watched it for about half an hour, was just sort of like guffawing about, I hope we don't need another special counsel, and then concern trolling about, like, why would the Democrats go down this politically risky road, um, uh, speaking of impeachment. But... Um, I guess what's significant is, you know, they weren't cutting away to a, you know, dog show or, or your other United, random United Nations footage. I mean, this was, this is, this is a real story. And, and, um, and, 
uh, you can see from from. I mean, just like last when we talked about this earlier this week, Trump's reaction, I think, to all this stuff has been has been pretty telling. He he's he can he's going to keep fighting. I mean, but this is I think he knows the the degree to which he's stepped in it. This is all political gamesmanship at this point. I feel like. Well, it was it was it was so interesting that they you know first Giuliani you know uh, confirmed it on with Chris Cuomo in that yeah. Jack Nicholson and uh, a few good men moment, and then Trump kind of came out and said, "Yeah, I talked to him about." Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and corruption, you know, sitting there standing on the White House lawn talking to journalists. So you were, it was sort of amazing. Like, why aren't, why aren't you just stretching this out? What possible motive do you have to just come out with this? And then this transcript. And I really, again, my, I, I really think they thought because they thought they could squeeze by on a very literal reading of quid pro quo and and be fine with it. I mean, Trump's tweet this morning, will the Democrats apologize after seeing what was said on the call with the Ukrainian president? They should a perfect call got them by surprise. Uh, not so much. And I, and you know, you mentioned Fox news, I guess I was pretty amazed at how easily and quickly the mainstream media who often is really, really cautious about things like this, right. And can get into the semantic weeds as well as anybody how mm-hmm. quickly they were john dickerson of cbs news who will never be mistaken for virgil texas said this on twitter today am i reading this right the president says the u.s has done a lot for ukraine then says the relationship has not been reciprocal and then asks the ukrainian president to do a number of things all of them politically related that's it <laughs> it's like you know people people got to the nub of it pretty quickly and you know there wasn't Again, I, I was watching a little bit of ABC, watching a couple other things. There, there wasn't even, you know, kind of the straight-laced reporter guy going, well, technically, you know, George, it wasn't, he didn't exactly say this. Everybody kind of went with the common sense interpretation of what we read, which is, I guess, a good thing. I guess I was surprised by it, though, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that this is a... Um it's just a very plain instance of corruption, right? I mean, it's like it would have been, <laughs> it would have been real. It would it would have been a no. It would have been, it would have been the least difficult statement any Republican senator if, if, could have made. If Lindsey Graham had come out a week ago and said, "Well, as long as he doesn't specifically ask for a favor to look after the Biden fan to you know to investigate the Biden family to the Ukrainian president on the phone call, then it'll be okay." Then you know, I wouldn't <laughs> but but if he does, that's a if he had said those words, nobody would have been just like, "Man, why is why is he going after President Trump?" You know, like what what does he know that we don't know? No, that's it would have been like a re, that's like so obvious, right? Total, that, that, total that that's reasonable. a line that, that that's a that that's a line that we shouldn't be crossing. Um yeah, yeah, that would have been seemingly him setting the lowest standard for Trump to climb right. over. But I'm guessing he didn't say that because nobody ag- exactly believed that Trump didn't do it. You well, know? and also I think that's the, I mean that's the argument for why for <laughs> for why you release the transcripts for why you kind of err on the side of disclosure because you could you can institutionally deny something, but that doesn't mean that the president's actually going to deny it when when pressed by a reporter. Right. So, I mean, so disclose. So, so in some, in some sense, Trump's own uh, inability to follow a script sort of gives us a, or lends itself to a greater transparency than, than maybe would be anybody's first instinct. I think your, your point you made just 10 seconds ago, though, is exactly right. It's like 
what's what's stunning about today, what makes today remarkable is, oh, that's what corruption looks like. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like in its simplest terms. This is not a a murky, you know, close reading of a transcript. This is not some battle over documents and we're never going to know the truth and Trump's going to stonewall Robert Mueller. It's just like the White House released a document. We read it and, and we were like, <laughs> oh, that's corruption. That's mm-hmm. it. We got it. Scoreboard. It, 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 the ga- game's over. Now, maybe well, the presidency's okay. not over, but but on this matter, he he did what people thought he did. It's you funny know? you min- it's funny that you mentioned the scoreboard, though. And I mean, I, I just mentioned Lindsey Graham. I believe that he's out there today trying to shift blame to the Biden back to the Biden family. I can't believe that. I, you, you, I cannot believe that. But the entire yeah, the entire Biden's part of the of the formula is a scoreboard issue, right? I mean, it starts off as near as I can tell. With Trump, uh, try or Giuliani, you know, with Trump's blessing or encouragement, trying to trying to get Ukraine to investigate links. I mean, how leaks about Manafort came out of Ukraine, and and how and whether the the, the Hillary Clinton's, uh, I guess not campaign, but Hillary Clinton her supporters sort of uh, encouraged that so there was corruption there. This led to this weird, uh, not weird. I mean, this actually very reasonable look at at the Biden family and Hunter Biden's work for. I believe an oil company over there, and uh, and but but it's it, it's all it's all trying to sort of like paint his uh, Trump trying to paint his political enemies with the same um, kind of glaze of corruption that he's been tarred with, right? I mean, and so it's, it is a very scoreboard driven um, issue right from the start. Of course, none of that necessitates corruption or leads directly to it. <laughs> uh, that's that that's a that that was of Trump's own own device, I guess. It's going to be funny if all this effort, all this high level diplomatic effort by the president himself, right? Not by the White House plumbers, but by the president himself was expended on a candidate who was already self-destructing. Joe Biden, who without any help from Trump Mm. was delivering terrible debate performances, was plunging in the polls, is now regarded no matter what anybody, you know, I think by by elite media everywhere as someone who is somewhat unlikely or less likely to win the nomination than Elizabeth Warren, that all that was expended on Joe Biden. You know, it, it may not be exactly like Nixon targeting George McGovern when he was going to beat him anyway in, in, in almost every state, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a weird, it's, it's wild. And, and I think an interesting piece of this that will be reported later is why Biden in particular scared them so much, you know, was it, was it just that they knew this story and they thought, Oh, we can pounce on it. And Ukraine is a place where we can get favors. Was it, you know, Joey from Scranton that scared them with the Midwest and with their people. I don't know. But if, you know, if Biden, you know, again, implodes on his own without any help, doesn't win the nomination anyway. And then Trump is carrying around this, thing that leads to impeachment proceedings and or worse it's just going to be that is going to look back we're going to look back and say what a what a choice that was um of all the ways to be corrupt you did it that way i think that's right i mean part i was toying with the idea that that it's you know his fixation trump's fixation on obama and the obama legacy has led him to be fixated on joe biden and maybe the idea that if he's bookended by obama and biden then that sort of erases his his, his presidency sort of in, in a more significant mm. way but i don't think it's that deep necessarily right i mean i i don't i think that probably one of the 
the the Scranton. The, I mean, it's. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of more obvious explanations for it too. Um, but it is it is interesting because yeah, because of um, you know Biden's place right now in the campaign. Obviously, that wasn't the place where he was a month ago or even a week ago. Um, but but it is interesting. I should say too, though, that like we have not discussed Hunter Biden <laughs> and the problems he presents as his father's campaign on this podcast. But like this has been, you know, the New Yorker wrote about it this summer um, yes. at length, at great length. This was at the New York Times has been touch have been writing about this subject in significant detail for years, um, and and it, it also should be said uh, separately that that. Everything about this story, except for the specific transcript of the call, seems to have been written about in the New York Times four or five months ago. So, I mean, it's interesting how much this has come out. We can come back to that. But I, but I will say that the, the fact that all of this stuff was sitting, all this baggage was sitting there um, waiting to be exploited by Donald Trump or whoever else for if Joe Biden were to win the nomination is really disappointing for Joe Biden because there was not some national call for Joe Biden to, to run, for the, for, run for the presidency this time. He came out as a front runner because of his name recognition, but like, you know, he, the the fact that he just walked into the primary knowing that this shit was there to be exploited and to, and to very conceivably lose him the general election if he were there is really disappointing. I mean, just really, it, it's not like, like, it's just it's it's an unforced error, you know, and I and I and I don't it it, it just makes me yeah disappointed is all. It, it's it's very Biden esque. Because how many times have you heard Joe Biden apologize for something or, you know, do anything but bluster his way through everything? Right. Yeah. And 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 by the way, Biden is probably legitimately convinced that nothing improper happened there and that, you know, his son has his son has a lot of personal failings. Right. Which mm-hmm. are go way beyond what happened in Ukraine and what happened with this prosecutor and all that stuff. And, and, and Joe Biden probably believes rightly that what his son did shouldn't prevent him from being president. No more than what Trump's kids are doing should prevent Trump from being president, you know, and, and there's not, and in, in, unlike in their case, it's not even directly connected to Joe Biden, <laughs> right? The Trump, the Trump kids, the ones that are playing with trademarks and talking to the Russians and all this stuff. So, well, yeah, but Joe, you know. I mean, but Joe Biden, I mean, the overlap between the Bidens it, when, when, when Joe was negotiating with the, with the president of Ukraine during Obama's presidency, I mean, it doesn't matter if he helped his son materially, but the perception is going to be there. And like I've said over and over again, I think I said in the last podcast, but I feel like I've said innumerable times since the details of the Biden family story in the, in Ukraine, it hardly matters who's right or wrong. It's really hard to write the 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 non-incriminating version of the sentence that explains what happened with Hunter Biden in Ukraine and, and his and his boardship in or whatever his position on the board in Ukraine sounds damning to ninety nine percent of the people who are going to read it. Right? It's just not it. It's not some it 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 it's a, it's a it's a difficult story. It's a twist too hard, you know. And 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 Joe just like allowed that to be a campaign issue because by running, I mean, I'm not saying you could have avoided it some more artful way, but you know, it didn't have to be. I'll put on our to-do list to do a Hunter Biden segment, which I think is good. And then also one about how this, how Ukraine and Biden was covered before we got into the impeachment portion of the story. Sure. All right, David, before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about what's new from Stitcher. Lost at the Smithsonian, a pop culture history podcast exploring the little known stories behind iconic artifacts from the National Museum of American History. 
follow host Asif Manvi, who you know from The Daily Show, inside the National Museum of American History as he shares smart and fascinating insights into cultural items like Fonzie's leather jacket and Dorothy's ruby slippers, which I want to know about because I love The Wizard of Oz. Along with the National Museum of American History curators and celebs, Asif traces just how these special objects came to define our culture. Listen and subscribe to Lost at the Smithsonian right now in Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast app. That's Lost at the Smithsonian. Check it out today. A couple notes, though, David, today from Capitol Hill. Uh, and the reaction, uh, the reaction among Democrats is pretty pretty much what you think uh among republicans i know you'll find it surprising that mitt romney <laughs> finds this whole thing to be deeply troubling <laughs> so that was just kind of outside the box uh gop senator shelley moore capito from west virginia says i don't think the the transcript rises to the level of an impeachable offense at all i was expecting much more from the pre-reports it sounded like the president <laughs> department of low bars it sounded like trump Yes, it did. <laughs> Maybe not in a good way. The other thing here I want to do is spin it forward a little bit because um, now, you know, one is that by and by the way, how amazing is it that, by the way, the House of Representatives is considering whether to impeach the president, uh, you know, only the fourth president in American history to even face impeachment proceedings at this level. Uh, how how amazing is it that that that's kind of second tier here, but that's next one is and and the big parts of that are one. We're going to wait now for the whistleblower complaint and see if that comes to life. The journalist Dan Engber tweets today. Is it possible the White House will now back off its pledge to release the whistleblowers complaint after finding out this transcript wasn't understood to be as exculpatory as expected? I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> is there any way they are going to part with that complaint? No. Out outside of like, you know, Supreme Court versus Nixon levels. Like I it's said, the, the like I said, the argument is now we know the argument from the right is now we know more than the whistleblower did, so there's nothing left to see here, right? But that, but all that leads me to believe is that there's certainly much more to see in that complaint. Ben Rhodes, the uh, former Obamaite tweets, so the William Barr Department of Justice was suppressing a whistleblower complaint that apparently implicates Barr yeah. in Trump's Ukraine scheme. The corruption is everywhere in this administration. That, I think, is the other play at Ford part of this, which is mm-hmm. this now seems bigger, doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's there was a Jonathan Chait column in, in New York Magazine, which I believe is now owned by Vox today, talking about how <laughs> suddenly this feels like a Trump scandal and also a Giuliani scandal and also a bar scandal and maybe also a Pence scandal because he's talked about this too a lot and talked mm-hmm. about Ukraine stuff. So if anything, it feels like the investigation just got bigger today based on that transcript. Does it not? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that it's, um, yeah, I think that in that, in, in that way, it's a, it's a little bit, I don't know if reassuring is the right word, but it does feel like there's actually an investigation to be had. And this isn't just an investigation for the sake. I mean, it's not this isn't a way of sort of, um, you know, slow walking, you know, trying trying to get. I mean, it, it, it there has been times of the in the in the past month, a couple of months where it's felt like you know, the, Nancy Pelosi and her contingent in Congress is trying to is trying to get us to the election without having to go through any sort of impeachment proceeding. Right. I mean, that. that um, 
Yeah, I was saying I was saying yesterday that it's difficult. That the, the, the one of the problems that the Democrats are having right now is it seems like they're not even having a, they're not even conversing with each other in good faith because there's clearly a bunch of people that just like very straightforwardly believe that it's a political misfire to go after impeachment in any to even mention the word. And that's it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of Democrats that believe that very strongly, but none of them are willing to make that case. Um, and listen, it would be really compelling if Nancy Pelosi or somebody else came out and said, I know this is unpopular, but my pollsters tell me that if we don't go for if we if we just let let everything lie, we have a 65 percent chance of winning the presidency. And if we go for impeachment, that drops to 48 percent, you know, like if, if, like something like that would be really compelling. But no one's going to make that case because they know it's politically unpopular from the Democratic base to not to not want to impeach the president. Then you get to all this stuff with Ukraine. And the whole, I mean, and even the very, the, when this idea was first floated yesterday, was the first time I saw it was his Howard Feynman tweet where he said, very solid dim house leadership source just confirmed to me that Speaker Pelosi will announce a formal impeachment inquiry this afternoon and imply that she herself favors impeachment of President Trump. That is the most like milk toast <laughs> way you could have possibly tweeted that thing. Like, listen, like, like, of there's a, that that is a very solid Democratic House leadership source because that is clearly someone, either Pelosi or someone directly tied to her, that insisted that he use the fra- the term the, the phraseology will announce a formal impeachment inquiry, um, which uh-huh. is exactly what they're doing, but they're being really precise about <laughs> about not saying we're pursuing impeachment here, you know. Um, and I mean, I, again, this is all this is this has gone back to a, a conversation about gamesmanship, and I apologize, but. Um, all of this goes it comes around to say that what, the point you were making is is actually really intriguing and really and and I think reassuring. There is something to investigate here, right? This isn't just pussyfooting. This isn't this isn't just we're going to call it impeachment inquiry because we don't want to go and pursue impeachment. We're not really going to do anything. Um, there's a lot there's a lot to hash out, even though I think what we have at the base is a very simple story, and I think in some ways that kind of helps the narrative for those that are really concerned about it. To, to your point about the polls, I'm I'm really interested to see what those polls are going to do here over the next couple of weeks, because I think those, you know, do Democrats want the president to be impeached or even the public want the president to be impeached are directly affected by the, you know, Lucy pulling the football out on on Russia and everybody getting so invested in that and then it turning out not to be exactly an impeachable offense or the Mueller report turning out like it did and everybody saying okay let's just stop this and go beat trump at the ballot box you know just being a purely a tactical decision but after days and days of coverage of of ukraine and trump i just i, I just wonder if that's not going to flip a lot and and even even if you're just going by polls rather than going by should we do we have a duty to tr- you know to at least take a vote on impeaching the president of the United States, given what we know, forgetting the political implications right now, because this is what we should do. I wonder if those polls aren't going to change. I really do. And I'd kind of be shocked if they don't, if they don't at least move more in favor of a little bit in favor of impeachment. I think the, I think the one thing we're going to hear constant, the constant refrain of is the, you know, uh, the, the, you know the, the mantra we learned from Slowburn podcast and everybody else who's, who's talked about it since then is that, you know, the, the, the pro impeachment numbers for Nixon didn't go above 50 percent until like the day before he left office or whatever. So, I mean, the, the numbers are going to be interesting. I'm not quite sure how much they how much they materially matter, but they will matter in terms of the way that our that that, that the, you know, opposition in Congress, uh, uh, you know, has the guts to react. Absolutely. Here's here's the scariest play at Ford option. Michael Crowley of the New York Times 
Uh, my old coworker tweets, just noting that Trump still has a bunch of military options on the table for Iran. Imagine if he were to pull the trigger now. Mm. Want to talk about something scary? There you go. A uh, couple of uh, funny notes, David, to leave you on today. The lighter side of possible impeachment, if you will. Um, I think one of the most remarkable things about that transcript was the amazingness of hearing this guy Zelensky kiss Trump's ass repeatedly (laughs) (laughs) because he needs his help. Uh, This was at the beginning. Zelensky, we talked about on the last show, is essentially the Ukrainian Trump in a lot of ways. He was a television star who uh, television made people believe could be the president of Ukraine. Then he became president of Ukraine based on the show. Uh, it was like that was that was the that was the apprentice of Ukraine. Zelensky tells Trump in this call, I would like to confess to you that I had an opportunity to learn from you. We used quite a few of your skills and knowledge and were able to use it as an example for our elections. Uh, Zelensky mentioned staying at Trump Tower on his last trip to New York. I, 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 I took to, you know, stay in your luxurious building. He also says this, I will make sure that I surround myself with the best and most experienced people, which is almost a verbatim quote of Trump from 2016 saying he surrounded himself with the best and most serious people. Yeah. Um, right before we recorded this, they were, they, they were, uh, meeting at the, at the UN and, and, uh, their, their conversation between the two of them, a press avail or whatever was televised. And um, Zelensky seemed to be, um, he, he referred to him as a comedian. He seemed to be kind of like doing a running gag where he was inviting or trying to compel Trump to say that he would come visit Ukraine. And Trump was just like kind of befuddled by the entire thing. Uh, I'm not quite sure. It seemed, he seemed to be going in a little bit hard for like if he was just like a Trump wannabe. I mean, he was he was definitely using the, he, he definitely using the the spotlight to his advantage. And I believe it opened up the. Uh, Opened up the, the the public meeting by saying it was better to be on TV than talking over the phone, um, to to a a mild round of applause from the from the gathered media. But anyway, he um, I, I do not know. I, I I wish I knew his his deep thoughts about about our president. But it seemed like he was he was willing to 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 uh, have a little fun with him today. If politics doesn't work out for these guys, I'm seeing a perfect stranger style sitcom where they you know get to know each other and experience the rigors of american life that'd be an interesting one a <laughs> uh, couple tweets zach schoenfeld the writer uh had a funny tweet i don't even know if it makes sense to read it but it imagines trump and Zelensky talking like Zelensky is interviewing trump during a junket thanks for taking the time to talk no problem sir is this still a good time for a phoner haha yes it's great great so the publicist said we have only 30 minutes so dot 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 that's funny and then from our pal uh jay kang uh, this is while Trump was <laughs> apparently transcribing the phone call about to produce the uh, a summary of the phone call. He says, if Trump wants to ingratiate himself with the media, he should do some tweets like transcribing now. God, I hate hearing my own voice. Can't believe they even let me into the premium tier when I ask so many idiotic questions and then complain about a bunch of airport delays. So <laughs> matching Trump as a long form journalist transcribing his interviews is really Pretty much my favorite thing about this whole scandal so far. <laughs> he is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Research by Chris Almeida. Production Magic by Jim Cunningham. We're back next Tuesday with more lukewarm takes about the media, Ukraine, and possible impeachment. See you then, David. See you later, Brian. This isn't just pussyfooting. I can't believe that. I, you, you, I cannot believe that. <laughs>